0: you're
1: listening to the league bound podcast
2: again. Oh, oh, mercy.
1: your source for weekly coverage on the future stars of the nba
2: the the
1: i'm your co-host jake schronz and i'm your co-host brandon blue
0: with production for the podcast coming from broderick wilkin
1: with the first pick in the nba draft Hello and welcome back to the League Bound podcast after some time off, but today we're back breaking down the best draft prospects and some of the rising stars of the NBA today. I'm your co-host Brandon Blue and I'm here with Jake and Brody. How are you guys feeling today?
0: Yeah, after a little bit of a Thanksgiving hiatus, I'm really glad to get back in the
2: studio with both of you guys and Brody. I think this is another great episode coming up. Oh, 100%. Super excited for it. Uh, Hopefully this production stays together It's a bit of a ragtag team today With all my equipment But uh, let's put on a good production We got a lot of stuff to talk about Since uh, our last podcast And uh, let's start it off with negativity I heard there was some drama Yeah, so
0: Negativity
2: Negativity Negativity
1: Brody, I don't know if you want to pull it up or not but Yeah, yeah, I'm on it we got Judah Mintz and Doug Eddard. Now, this is a, this was from, like, uh, last weekend, so it's a little bit outdated. But I wanted to bring it up just because it involves an, a, a potential first-round pick. I mean, this is something I love to see out of, out of draft prospects, guys who are hungry, you know, who, are, who will go after that and just provide a little bit of extra energy for their team and, you know, getting involved in a little bit of extracurricular activity.
2: As uh, we pull it up here hang on get rid of our league bound logo there it can chill out for a minute but yeah i know as you were saying all
1: right so let's break down this clip so as you can see we have judah who draws a charge and look at that like that's just oh oh yeah let's take that back let's take (laughs) oh yeah so there's a layup here falls onto the ground uh, but Doug is actually the one who starts it. You know, he's he's a little feisty. Judas like slapped a little you see bit that right there. But I think the funniest thing about this is that Doug is the run who, who the one who ran away. Like, how are you gonna go back in and then just start running yeah, away? Yeah, no, that's
2: crazy. Like
1: fam.
0: Yeah, he, got a, he got a little love tap on his <laughs> left side, but he he kind of sent that that final touch to light off this whole you, fight.
1: You got to hold your ground, Doug. I ain't gonna lie, but you know this is this is stuff I love to see. Um, they were both ejected after this, but
2: yeah. And here you go, you get the full shot here, uh, and I'll edit it in so you guys can just see it. But like, man,
0: watch—he does a little slap here.
2: <laughs> he gives I mean, him he a little bit a on <laughs> the chin, and then he just gets, I love he just how, gets smacked a bit. I love he how he just
0: ignores him. <laughs> like, the, saw big number two coming through. He was like, "Oh boy."
2: Judah was not phased at all. I mean, and a lot of coaches and media will say, "Oh, this is just such an immature act." But, you know what? These guys just want it more.
1: It just it happens, man. It's part of
2: basketball. And it's fun to see Syracuse kind of get in the
0: action here. It's been a while since Syracuse man. has been super relevant.
1: Yeah. It's it seems like ever since they've joined the uh, the ACC, it's just been downhill. Downhill for them as a program or Yeah. It, it, Jimmy just hasn't been able to figure it out. But.
0: Buddy Beheim has been basically their most relevant player in the last few years.
2: Hyping up a crowd that's not even his? That's
1: crazy. <laughs> you got to love it. All right, yeah. The Weekly Takes. But getting right into the meat of the pod, we're going to start off by talking about some of the top players who came back, or at least in this uh, upcoming class who came back. Nick Smith uh, for Arkansas, of uh, combo guard, and Cam Whitmore also made an appearance Saturday against Oklahoma. They were both out with injuries. Nick Smith, I believe, had a... He had an undisclosed knee injury. Cam Whitmore had a broken thumb. But uh, they made their appearances... Uh, I think Nick played like early last Tuesday, and Cam finally came in on Saturday. And it had been long-awaited. And we finally get to see players who could potentially take that three and four spot in the draft um, when there's a lot of uncertainty after Victor and Scoot. And so, Jake, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, how having these two guys come back could really heat up the draft race.
0: Well, so far this year, the guy that we are going to be doing a prospect breakdown today, Brandon Miller, has been arguably kind of the biggest riser in terms of draft stock. But now we'll get to see... Even though Brandon Miller's doing good, we'll see if some of these preseason top five guys like Nick Smith or Cam Whitmore kind of come in and start putting together a little bit of a good season so far. Cam Whitmore, he was up for contention for today's prospect breakdown, but after just one game and kind of a slow start to his season, we wanted to wait on that and get a little bit more eyes on what he's been able to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of versatile talent in Nick Smith and Cam Whitmore. Both, I think he said, are seven ish so pretty much prototype size for a wing or even a guard at times like Nick Smith so really excited to see what they can do
1: yeah uh, I watched Nick Smith's game versus San Jose State um, and I think it was interesting just to see how he was kind of uh, managing that load Uh, San Jose went into a zone against Arkansas and they're not a very good three-point shooting team so obviously they're going to struggle and you know they're going to have to really find their way to to score and I think that could be a potential issue for them late in March when they're going up against some longer teams who know them a bit better but uh, one thing I noticed was Nick he was a person who was just making the right basketball play like there was a play where Anthony Brown was coming through the lane and he just hit him for a, a alley-oop lob. Or he didn't dunk it, but I sure thought he was going to. And seeing Nick Smith make those kind of plays, you know, he's still probably getting his knee uh, a little bit under him still, but him just making those smart basketball IQ plays and uh he was taking some shots in that zone that are probably going to, you know, inflate or Deflate his efficiency a little bit, but it really was not a bad performance from him at all. And I think, you know, there's a lot for him going forward. Cam Whitmore as well, you know, he didn't play a whole lot of minutes. He played like 20 minutes. He had seven points on three of seven shooting, but uh, he showed, you know, the potential that he has just as a a big guy who can take anybody off the dribble. So I think these two, um, their stats are going to go up as time goes on, and these could be players we'll be talking about regularly on this podcast
0: yeah and something that i think is going to be beneficial for nick smith is he's stepping into a lineup that has anthony black who's already had some really big performances this year uh even ricky council has had some really big performances for arkansas so while he's still coming back into his full form on the court he should have a pretty good supporting cast to kind of supplement his early kind of games where he's still getting his game back together
1: yeah, you talked about Anthony Black. He's another big prospect. I think one thing that'll be interesting too is just seeing how they kind of learn to uh, work when they both don't have the ball because uh, they're gonna have to share, you know, some possessions where you know maybe Anthony's bringing it up and initiating, and then other possessions Nick will be bringing it up, and even Ricky Council he has the potential to be a guy who's just uh, not really an orchestrator, but you know he's just trying to get his bucket from the mid range or whatever. So I think. Uh, Arkansas really figuring things out. And I think they're just a fun team. They have three five stars when you factor in Jordan Walsh as well. They're fast. They get up and down. I can tell they really like to play in transition. And with Nick back, that just gives you more uh, of a passing threat and uh, somebody who can find guys for lobs on a team that's already really athletic. I just
0: want to talk about Zach Eady a little bit here because – We talked about him a little bit last year when we covered guys like Jaden Ivey at Purdue and some of the other guys in the Big Ten, but he's finally kind of coming into his own this season. Just a couple days ago, he had a 30-point, 20-rebound double-double. Insane stuff this early in the season versus Minnesota, and six of Zach's games of the eight that he's played this year have been double-doubles, and he has two 30-point double-doubles I mean, this early in the season he's got to be my player of the year so far.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say, um, they were talking about all this year, all of the media, they were talking about how this is a big man's year just because you had Drew Timmy, uh, Oscar Shibway, even Trace Jackson Davis, and it looked like they all were probably going to be in contention for national player of the year. But, you know, people knew about Zach Eady, obviously, but I don't think anybody thought that of those four kind of guys, he was going to be the one who's in the lead right now. And... Zach Eady, you know, he's really doing his thing, and it's not just, you know, him filling up the stat sheet. Purdue is, I want to say, they're like... Actually, let me fact check. Purdue in the AP College basketball poll right now is fifth. And, you know, some of those other guys, they just haven't been having uh, team success. So I think... That also, when it or correct, correction, Purdue is actually fourth. But I think him just having that team success, uh, when you look at it, that's, at the end of the day, probably one of the biggest factors in who gets National Player of the Year.
0: Yeah, and it seems like they've finally given him the reins to the offense, which is something I'm actually pretty excited about because back with Jaden Ivey on the team and even Sasha Stefanovic at times last year, he really was kind of that third-tier offensive option in terms of who they're going to to score. But this year, that has been completely different. He's been basically their go-to guy down low, getting second-chance points on the offensive glass. So, Brandon, do you think Zach Eady has potential to even make it to maybe a late first-round pick if he puts together a monster season like this?
1: Here's the thing. I think he could. he definitely could put up a monster season and win National Player of the Year. But even if he does that, I think it'll be like Shibwe last year, where like he he might not even, or even Luca Garza in the years before, where he might not even get drafted, and it's 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 one of those things where if this were the '90s, oh yeah, he definitely be, he'd probably be like top five, top oh, yeah. ten. But it's just I don't even want to say that he doesn't have it. It's simply just that you know the way the game is played. His style of play is just undervalued, and what he brings to the table because he's still a, a post-heavy guy, and we're seeing more and more how basketball is becoming positionless, and bigs now be able need to be able to stretch on both sides of the floor.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Zach Eady, uh, seven foot four, extremely tall player. Do you think uh, that might even like? Because, like, I feel like a big difference with a lot of the other players that were big men that destroyed in college basketball but just really didn't get looked at for the NBA. I mean, they just had, like, regular stats. This is kind of like jump out of the stat sheet type height. And uh, it it can either help him or hurt him just because of, like, the history of uh, players that tall getting hurt. But also the fact that no one's really going to be able to contest a lot of shots uh, that he puts up in the league, uh, I guess, except for Victor this year. (laughs) But... Yeah, that's crazy that potentially in the same draft class we could get, like,
0: Victor getting switched on a screen against Zach Eady or something, (laughs) and that would be wild
1: on the perimeter. I think it's crazy, too, how they're both freakishly tall, but they play so differently. Yeah. And I think that just speaks— really, the comparison of them just speaks uh, to the evolution of basketball as a whole, Uh, going from post guys who, you know, just draw double teams, kick it out, or they'll just, you know— back their way down until they can get something yeah so now you have guys seven foot five guys who can create from the perimeter and shoot one leg three yeah like (laughs) the game is going into a crazy place but i'm here for it
2: and if you look at zach Eady, also uh in terms of weight my guy is built uh 295 (laughs) which is that's pretty big zion pretty Mm -hmm. big guy uh and having muscles at that height uh it's probably a big deal. I mean, has he... I don't exactly know his history at Purdue. Has he had any injury? Not anything, anything at all. super...
0: Like, I don't really remember anything being nothing,
2: super
1: scared. Nothing crazy, no.
2: And I mean, that's something I think uh, NBA teams might want to look at. Maybe, you know, if they have like a, a second-round draft pick and they don't really have a lot of guys they like, you look at Zach Eady and maybe see him as like a uh, potential uh, rotational piece that just can come off the bench and uh, get you some boards. And I can uh, see a
0: team like the Thunder kind of, if they're set with Chet Holmgren, <laughs> maybe match him up off the bench, like give him some bench minutes with Chet Holmgren sure. at the four. Don't make him kind of clang and bang down in the paint against those Joel Embiid types. Let him kind of run around on the perimeter, get open shots on a pick and pop at the power forward
1: position. I'm going to keep it honest. If he wants to see minutes as an NBA player, like literally, the only thing I think he needs to do, like even just as a, a rotation, like six man type guy, like he, like he could be somebody like Jonas Valanciunas or somebody. Mm-hmm. But like obviously seven four. But if he just stretched the floor and like got a little bit of a three point shot or like a mid range game outside of just hooks and baby shots, like I feel like he'd be okay, and like probably when he gets drafted he wouldn't be like ready to go the minute he goes in but uh, I think that would help him get more uh, minutes and raise his stock as he hits his peak
0: I think I'm a little higher on Zach Eady I would say he'd be NBA ready when he goes in there's not a lot of guys in the league that could match up 7-4 290
1: with a shot but I feel like you put him on the defensive end and he could easily just get played off because I don't think he really has the athleticism the stay with those like say Victor oh that might not be a good example but yeah even Victor like I feel like he could probably just take him off the dribble and then you that's not even factoring in like some of the smaller point guards and forwards that can dribble now and like it's just a game now where he's just going to be stretched out of the paint so it's really hard for me to see a a situation where that works entirely yeah even guys like
0: Rudy Gobert at times I remember last playoff would just get subbed out in the playoffs and just The
1: crazy thing is, Rudy Gobert is a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and even he is getting stretched out and played off the floor. Yeah, that's just getting a little clowned on sometimes. But like, like, yeah, that's just wild to me.
2: And uh, this actually brings up a question: Uh, If you guys, uh, as let's say you guys are hypothetical uh, NBA GMs, uh, and you see this guy, and let's say he keeps the stats he has right now. Or maybe he has a couple more of these crazy twenty rebound games. Uh, let's say he goes undrafted. Do you do you take him under the wing? Do you put him in the organization? Get him in that G League and see if you can get your guys to develop a decent role player, or maybe just get him some skills that make him a threat outside of the paint. What pick?
1: What pick would we have? Like in this hypothetical situation?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, just in general, like you are a GM. He went undrafted. Oh, okay. Is he, is he worth a roster spot I for G League? Definitely.
1: If he's undrafted, I think he's probably a guy you just... Yeah, he he, just... Yeah. No-brainer? No yeah. It's like the same thing with, like, Luka Garza. Okay, Like, yeah, I feel fair. like they're like, like they're kind of... They were kind of in similar spots. I feel like... I can't like.
0: even imagine the numbers Zach E. D would put up in the G.
1: Yeah. Yeah? With that size? It's just... He's one I'm just not... I'm not too sure about. Quite frankly, hot take. Can I get a hot take from you, Brandon? I mean, I kind of already. I don't know. Is that a hot take? I guess maybe.
2: But I mean, we've already talked about how you can be seven four and still suck. So, I mean, it's <laughs> just
1: like okay. Do you, do you have you guys heard of uh, Stephen Bradley? Dude was like seven. Sean se- Bradley. Yeah, Sean Bradley. That's what I meant. He was like seven foot seven or something like that. Played for the Mavs. I want to say he was a first pick, and. His career did not go. Was it injury or was he just not it? I think it was kind of a little bit of both. But like, even when he did play, it was like he wasn't really doing anything crazy. He wasn't playing up to these wild expectations. Okay, excuse me. He was actually the second pick in the 93 draft. But it's just like, I think just because you're seven foot four or like seven foot seven, that doesn't always mean that you're going to have, you know, crazy. Uh, stats when you get to the league. Yeah, I mean, so.
2: and I don't think he would, which is why I feel like the only place he'd really fit in an NBA team would be uh, rebounding, or not rebounding, but as a rotational piece. But, yeah, I mean, like, any more thoughts on this guy? I mean, he's just—we've we've been watching him silently. I mean, we haven't really brought him up a lot on the podcast, but we've been watching him silently, and he's kind of— he's risen and fallen— I mean, risen a little bit, falls a little bit, but he's just kind of.
1: Uh, I'm just going to close with. It really just depends on the era. If this were the <laughs> '90s, yes, but Fair it, enough. today. Imagine Zach E D going up against Shaq. Yeah, like yeah, that, that's, like, that's something that's we would true. see. Like there were more guys like Zaggy, probably not as tall, but that was basically you know the type of game that they had. And like I said before, if this were the 90s, he'd be a top five, top ten. Maybe even, who knows, he'd probably be going after Victor. I don't (laughs) know. Like, that's just... Victor would not be a a number one pick in the 90s, I don't think. Yeah, that probably is true, because how much they valued uh, paint presence. and, And they just didn't want big shooting outside of the paint, so... That is a that is a good point, Jake. But so you think Zach Edey over I, uh, over Victor in the nineties? You never know. <laughs> but that could that could have been a that could have been a storyline that would have happened. So you never know. But moving on, we still have one guy, and this is probably the most talked about player in all of high school sports, maybe even in just amateur sports. Period. But Bronny James still has not committed. 2A school and we haven't heard of a oh he's probably gonna go here or oh he's probably gonna we haven't really heard any serious you know rumors that have like real uh, validity behind him like he's still just a question mark yeah the crystal ball is still pretty murky right now nobody knows where this kid is gonna go except for him and we may not know until as late as March so uh, I just kind of want to play a little what if uh, where would we like to see Bronny go here at League Bound. This one's obvious for me, but I want to hear you guys first.
0: Well, you could go two different ways here because obviously with us here at UNL, getting Bronny to a Big Ten school like Ohio State would be very entertaining just so that we could get to see him live and get a little bit of good coverage here on the show. But personally, I think it would be really fun if he does go to Memphis to mm. follow along with Mikey Williams and kind of reconnect that Oof. that blue – what was it, blue chips or –
1: yeah, remember blue chips. Yeah,
0: their A.U. team, kind of. That's almost where Mikey Williams got his fame started up by putting huge numbers up with Bronny James. So that would be almost poetic to see them come together yeah. again.
1: I was gonna say for storylines and like a narrative purpose, I would love to see that. Uh, just to see those guys reunite. Um, you know, watch. I remember watching their mixtapes back in the day and seeing seeing Mikey ball out was fun and. Uh, I would love to see them, you know, just bring back some childhood nostalgia, but um, I think an important thing is, I don't know, like, what this would mean in terms of his college selection, but he actually signed a NIL deal with Nike, and I think one thing to note is that Mikey had that deal with Puma, but Puma doesn't have any, uh, they don't have any, like, D1 colleges that are with Puma. So I think he could just kind of go wherever, but Bronny, uh, and Nike's obviously one of like the biggest college sponsors in terms of apparel. Mm -hmm. So I think since he has this deal with Nike, he may not, he may be a little bit limited in theory and where he wants to go play, um, in terms of college. So I think that could be something, but other than that, we still have no leads. So,
2: (laughs) and yeah, at the, uh, uh, from two four seven sports, he is listed uh forty he's ranked uh forty-fourth, I think. Uh nationally forty-fourth. And uh from forty-four up, he's pretty much one of like five people who haven't committed so far. And you have to wonder why like a top fifty
0: prospect only knowingly having offers from a couple of schools. It's
2: kinda strange. Like and with the caliber of Bronny James, I mean you know he's gonna make He's going to make your school money just by uh, attendance numbers. Like, there's been
0: players who are way lower ranked that have almost double-digit offers from D1 schools. mm -hmm. So it's kind of strange. You have to imagine it's more of the -the off-the-court stuff that schools are looking at. Not anything bad, obviously, but just bringing in that type of personality to your university. It's kind of a dated mindset, in my opinion, but still going on today.
1: I think... I think, too, it's just interesting that because he's a he's the type of player where I feel like and he has a lot of hype, but he's not a guy who's going to hog the ball. Like he's not a self like he's a smart basketball player. That's like one of the things that, you know, has him as high as he is. And so I think that more schools uh, aren't looking at a player with such a high basketball IQ and just plays the game the right way. Uh, especially when you look at in terms of the NCAA, it is a little bit baffling to me, and I'm wondering if maybe they know some. They probably know something that we don't, quite frankly. But it makes me think, like, man, is he just set on the G League and he hasn't finalized anything? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm interested to see where he goes, um, and I'm hoping that as the season goes on, we see him get a little bit more offers because I really want this to spice up. Just so we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's. Did you have something? No, you can go ahead. So,
2: uh, well, I mean, I haven't said. Did you say you wanted to see him go to Memphis too? Uh, Memphis or Ohio State, I think, would be. So I do really like the Memphis narrative, but the selfish person in me really wants to see that man play in person. Oh. And as students of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, that means he would come to Lincoln, Nebraska in the middle of nowhere. But uh, he would come here, and we would go probably three, four hours early to go see him.
0: <laughs> and you can't forget, it does It does say here that USC is also on the list, which, which USC is coming to the Big Ten pretty soon as well. Yeah, so. Pretty
2: soon. I don't think they'll be here by the time uh, Bronny's in and out because he'll, he'll easily be a,
1: a one and done, right? You'd there's think you never there's some debate because, you know, I've— People all across the board think differently, but uh, I think a lot of scouts think that he might be a two year guy just because he's someone who uh, you probably, he comes his first year, he might not play that much just because, you know, the way the rotations work. And like when he comes to college, most of the people on that roster will probably be better than him his first year. But I think, I don't think he'll be a four year guy, but two or three is where I see him. So I think if he goes to USC, or UCLA because I think UCLA they haven't offered him, but they have shown interest, and he has some teammates who have played there or are playing there right now, like Amari Bailey, and there was one other guy. But if he goes to USC or UCLA, those would still be opportunities for us to see him play. Yeah,
0: and there's been other guys who are in that kind of fifty-ish ranked ranked player. Uh, I just remember someone like Lester Quinones, who initially committed to Memphis a couple of years ago. I think he's actually now playing with Ignite. I want to say I saw him playing there, but he was one of these kind of top 50 players, potential to go one and done, and ended up not really going like the way he thought. So you never really know what these guys, I mean, we see guys who are not even ranked in the top 100 go rise up in college and have really good careers. I think, was OCHA even a top 100? No. I don't think so. He
1: was, he was a three-star. Yeah. Same with Christian oh, wow. Brown. So it's
2: all over the place. And, yeah, you see that uh, a two-year option, I mean, is LeBron. Because uh, we know, and uh, if you haven't heard it before, and if I'm correct, I could be completely spitballing off rumors, but I'm pretty sure LeBron said something that, he wants to retire, or he wants when wherever Bronny goes, he wants to go there and play like a season or two before he retires with his son. And I think that alone dr- probably rises his draft stock as well. But also, uh, uh, with that in mind, would he take a two year option? I mean, I guess it's his interest, not his dad's. And uh, I'm assuming uh, LeBron would probably let his
1: son choose what he wants to do. But knowing LeBron, he'll. He's waited this long. I feel like he'll be able to, and especially with the way he hasn't like fallen. He hasn't off, regressed really. Yeah, I that think he'll much. be able I mean, to like. He's put, adapted to his age. Yeah, so. I think he'll be able to, and like too. I don't want. I feel like LeBron, like just from what I've seen, you know, and like all the social media and stuff. He seems like like he wants Bronny to come to the league, but I feel like he wouldn't want him to do it at the expense of his development. If that makes sense. Like have him go in too early sure, and like yeah. miss out on because LeBron's smart too, and he know he wants yeah. the best for his uh, kids. So and like I said, like I don't think Bronny's going to be playing all four years of college, but I think he I don't know if he'll be a one and done. Quite frankly, interesting.
0: And one thing that could kind of fast track Bronny to the NBA is more than more likely than not, he will probably sign with uh, Rich Paul and sports who has a lot of connections in the nba built up over the years because of lebron so some of those connections could go deep enough to
2: to get Bronny in the one and done type of scenario and let me entertain one more idea because i don't think we talked about it yet but let me hear it about g league because uh that's also a possibility has he gotten offered by the g league yet I'm
1: sure they've probably, I don't know if they like publicly. Yeah,
0: st- I don't think it gets publicly. They're not, but they're I'm not publicly. I'm sure them, yeah. like
1: they're going after him. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, without a doubt.
0: I also don't even think the G League Ignite has like recruitment letters. I think it's almost more of a mutual, it's basically like a contract signing. Yeah. So, I mean, if Bronny wants to go to the G League Ignite, they're going to sign him because the whole point of that team is to develop players. So, I mean, they're not going to just disregard Bronny.
2: And not only that, but, like, that's fantastic marketing for a still relatively new and growing uh, organization. So they would totally take him. But whether he wants to go is up to the question. But, I mean, yeah, it's heated debate here uh, with Bronny James on really where he'll go. I mean, we'd like to see him go to Ohio State. We'd like to see him go to Memphis,
1: but before he we could go, really go anywhere no bef- one really knows before we leave this segment i'm looking at on3 sports which as part of like their rankings they put people's nil value isaiah collier the number one player has a 560,000 nil value and bronny at 41 has 7.5 million wow and i would just like to leave that there wow yeah and i mean
2: Do you think that's coming out of uh, a uh, local 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 businesses pockets, or do you think Nike's gonna, or like Nike or like a big brand like that would be be like, hey, seven million to go play for Ohio State or something like that? It's probably
1: factoring in both. I think his deal with Nike is like the one that he has now. I want to say is like ten mil, and then which that doesn't really add up with the, but then it's probably got like the. Some of the local businesses added in as well. So that's just so crazy to me.
0: Yeah, a lot of that has to do with how much reach he has in kind of a couple of different aspects. Like he's obviously big in basketball. I know a couple of years ago he was pretty big in like the video game realm. Yeah. He's doing uh, magazine streaming? covers. Was he live phase, streaming for a bit too? Yes, yeah, I
1: saw him that. doing an ad for God of War. Like a really? few weeks. Oh like,
0: yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, saw that. yep. So that's just he. So he's really all over the place. He's. I mean he's Patrick Mahomes esque and all the I mean now.
2: Take LeBron out of the equation. What he's made already before he's gotten to college probably already has him set for life. It's <laughs> only a matter of
1: time before he gets a Fortnite skin. Oh yeah. LeBron has one already, right? Or LeBron, I mean, does it's he not LeBron. have one? I'm talking about Bronny. Oh Bronny himself. Yeah. yeah. The LeBron does have one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: All right, we're we're starting to get a little sidetracked <laughs> here, so let's move at? on to uh, Jabari Thir- Smith. 32
2: here. minutes. Yeah. Let's. Uh. Jabari Smith,
0: welcome to the league, Brandon. He's kind of been hitting his stride as of late. Let's get into what we've seen from JSG.
1: Well, Jabari, he's just been doing what he's been doing uh, at Auburn. Uh, you know, he's been playing alongside Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, and I think he's just uh, he's kind of coming into his role as a. Uh, starting off as a role player and then building up from there. But, you know, he's just hitting, you know, open threes uh, and playing, you know, the game that we saw at Auburn. And I am uh, I remember I said a while back, like, he's going to be a player. It just takes time, and we're slowly seeing him, you know, start to figure it out. Uh, so, Jabari, we're happy for you. We're rooting for you. Um, and I genuinely want to see... The Houston Rockets play some meaningful basketball because I do think they have a <laughs> they have a fun roster, and when you have those that dunk threat and Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, who can get some fancy buckets, and then Jabari, who can just kill you in a lot of ways, like this is a fun team.
0: Yeah, two things here on this segment. I'm really proud of how strong mentally Jabari Smith has been because coming into the league with kind of three point shooting and catch and shoot being one of your biggest strengths. It's, it can be tough at times to uh, adjust to the higher level of play. I would assume because if you're not hitting shots and you're playing with grown men who like their life is on the line, like this is their career, this is their job, you have to be so sh- mentally strong to not get shook. Uh, anytime you go out there, like oh damn, I was oh for five last night, two for five the other night, like I might not, I might not want to be shooting so much. But the way he's able to go out there and just continue to put shots up from three. I mean, he's over 40% in his last 10 games, so he's starting to put it together. But I love what you said about wanting Houston to play some meaningful basketball coming up soon, maybe even playoffs in the next few years, because it's always talked about how teams in the playoffs, you need to have at least one of those guys on your roster that can just go ballistic and win you a game by themselves. We've seen Donovan Mitchell do it in the past. LeBron James has done it a million times. Steph Curry. I really feel like Jalen Green is one of those guys that once you put him in a playoff format, he has the offensive bag to put the team on his back, put up 40, put up 50. He's that
1: type of scorer. Yeah, and I think, too, he's a player who, he's going to make Jabari's job a lot easier because he's going to draw so much attention, and Jabari is like one of the, he's one of the more ideal players you could have. Uh, Just somebody who, you know, when, Jalen doesn't have anything he kicks it out he can just throw it right up and it'll go in and Jabari he has the potential to create a little bit of his own as well and I think uh, Jabari's development is going to be interesting to watch but going back to what you said about mental toughness I think that's something uh, him just showing that he can improve here uh, early on in the season is a good sign for his development as a whole because One of the hardest things I think for NBA prospects, even though I'm not in the NBA, is they have, they've most of the times they have had it easy like their whole lives because they've just been better than everyone. The minute they've stepped onto the court, they might have had to learn like a little bit of, you know, like uh, mental basketball IQ things. But for Jabari, uh, where right now he's. He's pretty equal with everybody else. And him just showing that he can improve, I think, is a good sign for the Rockets uh, as a whole and himself. Now we will be moving on to prospect breakdown. And today, as Jake talked about earlier, we are covering one of the hottest players in college basketball right now. And Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, it is your time, my guy. A 6'9 forward, 200 pounds, 20 years old. So he's one of the older players in the draft, but he's averaging 19 points, 8 rebounds, and he's shooting 46% from 3 through 8 games.
0: It's crazy to hear you say 20 years old, so he's one of the older prospects (laughs) in this draft. And we're like, ooh, I'm like the same age now. That's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it's getting there. Dreams are dying. But anyway, uh, it looks like he's going to be the best shooter in the draft um, just because of the size that he has and... The fact that nobody can really contest this guy, and he just seems like a, a naturally gifted shooter.
0: Yeah, I mean, the release, you look up on the film, his release is it's pure, it's water. I mean, it's, it reminds me a little bit of Bryce McGowan's from last year. It's got, he's got great backspin, and a lot of times you see these guys who are good shooters, but they're kind of bigs. And their form's a little bit, you know, whack. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it doesn't have a, <laughs> I mean, I remember watching Jaron Jackson at Michigan State. He was oh. a good shooter, but I mean, he was like elbows out, no, no spin even on the ball. Now, it was like
1: he's like lean. Even now, it's still a little yeah. bit, but yeah. But watching
0: Brandon Miller, like he's a legit shooter at six foot nine, which is just really impressive to look at.
1: I think too. Uh, I think just looking at their tools and like just kind of their scout comparisons, he reminds me a lot of uh, Michael Porter Jr. Mm. But I think he's l- <laughs> he's longer than uh, Michael Porter Jr., which I think is really uh, going to be beneficial for him just because uh, he gets his shot off better. And I think, too, he has a little bit of a shot creation ability. And I think if he improves that when he gets to the league, that's going to be potentially a scary sight. What would you
0: say about the North Carolina game a couple of weeks ago now? I mean, four for that, twenty-one. The Brandon Miller haters, they were out for that game because they're like,
1: this guy's trash. That I will say it, it was a tough game, but I feel like there were a little there were a good bit of looks that he just he just missed. Like I think I know coming in the like when he was in high school, he was regarded as more of a mid range guy than a than really an outside shooter. And I think that's why he was only like 14th in the uh, in the top 100, and I think he's still maybe having to adjust to that a little bit. But I think as he gets more reps uh, and he just kind of conditions himself, you know, he'll be kind of become kind of more of a, a three point guy. But the I think the fact that he still has a mid range shot, a lot of people talk about, you know how that's a dying a dying art of the game, but I think. Just because he's a six, nine guy and he's not like somebody who's like a six three guard, it's still a high percentage shot for him. So I think that's something that you can keep working into the offense for him at the next level.
0: I think the response to how he played versus North Carolina would be that they were lucky he was four for 21 because if he was actually on in that game, North Carolina would have been basically blown out of the game. I mean, that game went f- I think four overtimes the last like before it was over. And I believe Alabama ended up winning the game anyways, but if yeah. Brandon Miller actually had a good scoring game, I mean, they would have blown... What were they number one in the country at that point? Mm-hmm. They would have blown that team out by, like, 15, 20 points because of how good Brandon Miller was. So, yeah. I mean, it just goes to show how much it, his impact is for, for the Crimson Tide this year.
1: Now, UNC has fallen out of the top 25, but that's still a that's still a tough performance, and I think that was one of his... Uh, that was one of his first games against Power Five. So for me, I kind of look at it as like that was that was one of his first real games. But even against Michigan State uh, that he played the day before, I want to say, he or it might have been two days before, he showed that, you know, he's he's gonna be a threat. Uh, he had hold on while I look it up. Were you looking for? It was the Michigan State. Michigan State, he had twenty-four points on fifty-seven percent shooting from three and I think, you know, as the season goes on, he's just going to, he he's going to figure out how to play against some of these better teams. And it's not like he's struggling, like he's still, he's still, you know, doing some damage. And I think he's going to potentially be that number third pick or number three pick in this year's draft.
0: It'll be interesting. I mean, six foot nine, but he's got a handle, right? Like that's what makes those franchise players, those number one player on a championship team, those guys that can play defense against virtually anyone on the court and be elite at it, but also be able to get the ball at the end of a shot clock, put it on the on the floor, and find a good shot. He's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. I don't really like that we kind of—it almost seemed like we pigeonholed Jabari Smith into a catch-and-shoot guy, or at least I did earlier on this episode. That's not what he is, but Brandon Miller for sure is a shot creator, not just— a catch-and-shoot three-point guy, even though his percentages would make you think he is. He's over, I think he's over 45% from three-point range, and he's actually really good at the free-throw line. I know
1: that was something we were talking about a little bit earlier. Yeah, 80%. I think one thing scouts look at is, it's like, to see if you're really a shooter is just what that free-throw percentage looks like, because you could go through shooting lows, like, one season, like, say you're shooting 30, 30 to 35%, but if you're shooting, like, a solid eighty percent from the three throw from the free throw line that shows that you can develop as a shooter. And right now, through his first few game or first eight games, he's shooting about eighty percent. And there's a chance that could go up. There's a chance that could go down. But I think just what he's shown and is that he's a legit shooter. Like you talked about earlier with his form, like everything points to the fact that he's gonna do some high level damage at the next level.
0: And his game kind of reminds me a little bit of current day Paul George. I haven't seen. Too much of like the high-flying dunks that we saw from like prime Paul George so far in the college season. But, I mean, Paul George right now is still like a top 20 player. Really good shooter. He can play the two or the three. I think that could be where Brandon Miller kind of fits in in the NBA. And he also, I would say his floor coming into the league is somewhat of like a Cam Reddish type of player on the wing. Uh, He might not get a ton of minutes right away as like the number one offensive weapon. If he goes to a team like Charlotte, like he's listed to here, LaMelo Ball is going to have the ball in his hands for so much of that game, so he's got to make sure he's got the catch-and-shoot game down, kind of like how Cam Reddish fits into a team right now.
1: I will say, I know I talked about how he can create a little bit off of his handle, but to me it still looks a little bit it, it looks like it needs to be a little bit more polished just off of first glance and I say that mainly because just watching some of his highlights and some of the moves he makes, it's not they aren't very quick moves, you know. Like, I I feel like the one thing he lacks he doesn't have like crazy athleticism. Like, he's probably one of the slower players in this in this draft class, and he's not like sluggish or anything. But it's just like you look at some of the other top guys, like the Thompson twins, even Scoot Henderson, Whitmore probably. That I think, Dylan Mitchell, yeah. They all have just they're just known for their athleticism. And I think Brandon—that's really not what he's known for at all. But if he can improve his shiftiness and creation, then yeah, I think he'll definitely be a, a a lethal threat at the next level. But I think the one thing that's kind of—it's hard for me to fully say that he'll be the third player just because I don't know how his how his handle and his uh, creation ability will translate as of now. Well, also even outside of him,
0: we got into it a little bit earlier today, but guys like Nick Smith and Cam Whitmore are finally returning to the court. So we'll see if they put together impressive seasons to kind of overtake what we've seen from Brandon Miller mm-hmm. so far. Cause he has definitely benefited from the lack of these like preseason top five guys being in there. And
1: he's really put his name into that top five. Yeah. I think uh, just the main thing about him, the main takeaway is he just has such a high floor and, uh, it's really hard to see a situation where, you know, he's not, you know, making some kind of impact. So I think Brandon Miller is a, he's a great prospect and, um, I'm kind of excited to see where he gets drafted to just cause uh, I think that's probably my favorite part of this podcast is talking about where guys end up. And, uh, actually really bouncing right off of that. I normally
2: ask you guys where you guys think he would go, where you guys think he would bet go best, Uh, Or maybe even, like, what pick you guys think he will, and you guys say he's a top five. But today, I kind of want to spin the narrative and make you guys take some hot takes. Who would you take him over? Ooh. Okay. Okay. Who would you take
1: Brandon Miller over uh, in this year's draft? I would take him over... I know Azar Thompson's been shooting well for overtime. Uh... But I think I'd probably take him over him. Probably Dylan Mitchell. And I'm still not sure about Keontae George. Jairus Walker, ooh. That is tough. But I, there, I'd probably take him over a good majority of that top 10. It's still, it's, the main guys it's hard for me to decide are uh, Amin Thompson, Nick Smith, and Cam Whitmore. Sure. Just because they have higher ceilings than probably. Tankathon. Oh, sure. Uh, Tankathon
2: currently has uh, Brandon Miller listed, uh, predicted going fifth overall, but uh, that can change over the whole season, and that's not always 100% accurate with uh, GMs and who they want. But yeah, w- what do you think, Jake? Uh,
0: some of the similar guys like Brandon was talking about, I he's up there with the Thompson Twins for me. I might take a SAR over him still just because, I mean,. There's really not that much drop-off from Amen and Asar. They're very similar players. Both have similar strengths, and they have more of that NBA athleticism, that kind of get to the rim and finish over what we've seen from Brandon Miller. But I almost look down a little bit farther into the draft at some of these guys that I think by the end of the season will probably be up into that top 10, potentially even top 5 if their season continues. Like Kyle Filipowski, I think... Basically, a six foot eleven guy that can do really do it all. I mean, per thirty six minutes, he's averaging just under twenty points and twelve rebounds per game. That's really impressive stuff, and he's got a three ball. I think Kyle Filipowski could get up there. Um, honestly, even Grady Dick. I mean, I know it's going to be tough for at this point in the season for someone to say Grady Dick should get drafted over Brandon Miller, but Grady Dick has one strength, and it's shooting the ball, and he's doing it basically better than any. Freshman in the country, other than Brandon Miller, they're both kind of at that 45 ish percent from three, so it really could be up to whatever teams value. So maybe they'll value Brandon Miller's better defensive kind of capabilities at a bigger size than what Grady Dick brings, but you never know with these teams, man.
2: You know what, uh, you know what, uh, GMs like the most about these guys though? Their age, and you know what, Asar Thompson. Couple months younger, couple months younger. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a big difference. <laughs> it makes this a is, big difference to GMs for whatever reason, man.
1: This is slightly off topic, but I didn't realize that the Thompson twins are about to be—they're about to be 20 years old, and they're essentially still playing high schoolers, and they're right? still hooping
2: against high schoolers.
1: That's like interesting to me. I didn't realize that.
2: And you know what? The uh, Thompson uh, twin prospect breakdown will be its own thing. And I'm sure we'll probably bring that up quite a couple times, and that'll be a pretty heated discussion. But uh, back to Brandon Miller. Uh, so we talked about who, who you guys would probably take over him, who you guys like uh, over, or who you guys like under him, or who who you think he is better than in this draft or a better prospect. But uh, let's bounce back to it. Where would you guys love to see him go? Where would you love to see him play? Um, up in guess. this top. I'll
0: say top eight for right now just because there's a lot of movement that can go around. There's one team that I don't really want to see him go to, and that is Detroit, just because they already have Sadiq Bey, who I think is not necessarily a franchise keeper, but him and Brandon Miller have very similar like strengths. And I don't really see how Brandon Miller would push a guy like Sadiq Bey, who would be going into like his third and fourth season already. I don't really see how he would push him out of the lineup. So that's one team I wouldn't like to see him go to. Um, I honestly think uh, Charlotte right now could be a pretty decent fit, especially with them losing Miles Bridges because of reasons uh, we don't really like to talk about. (laughs) But uh, just giving LaMelo Ball another good shooter on the perimeter to throw the ball to, it never is going to hurt.
2: Yeah, And you know they want that lottery number one victor, but we'll see whether they can
1: get it or not. There's also... I think for me, a team who's steadily dropping slowly, and I think uh, we could probably see higher up in this lottery as the season goes on. But I think I'd like to see uh I'd like to see Brandon Miller end up with the with the Wizards. It clicked. Yep. Keep the going. Wizards. Yes, the Wizards. The Wizards because You're off the Denny train? Um I think Denny it's like but I feel like they're at a point now where they... I think they're in the worst spot you can possibly be. Mm. And I think they just need talent. And, you know, say... If they don't even... I don't think they'll end up being the worst possible team in the league. But, like, I could easily see them falling to, like, that four, five, six range. Especially if, like, somebody gets injured like Chris Stapps or Bradley. And... If... I think you know if they if Bradley stays, which he probably will, you keep Chris Stapps, I think Brandon could be a nice complementary piece. So that would be a very big front court with Brandon Miller, Kuzma, and Kristaps
0: Porzingis. That would be a lot of size and length up front that teams would probably struggle to deal with.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's also not just a lot of size, but a lot of shooting t- yeah, today, which sure. is uh, probably one of the most important things in the league right now. So I think. Uh, to make that kind of an interesting fit, I'd would really like to see that.
0: I think another team that could use a guy like Brandon Miller would be the Utah Jazz. They're currently sitting at just 11th because they had a really good start to the year, but they're starting to fall down a little bit, falling back to the, the, the norm that we expected them to be. But obviously the Jazz are currently just sitting in best, you know, best young prospect we can get. And if they're down at maybe that five or six range, Thompson twins are gone, Scoot's gone, Victor's gone. I think they could take a chance on a guy like Brandon Miller, who definitely has that two-way kind of wing potential that we think he has.
2: Moving on to our trivia section, uh, which, uh, as you guys may know, last week we had a lot of uh, video-related problems where trivia did not happen. This week's is going to be really interesting. We'll have to see how this works, uh, but uh, starting it right off. Oh, yeah, and Brandon, Brandon got his first win in a while. I did. Uh, no, nah, that's cap. But and it was off they're, the... They're lying. Because we did Bro, record it.
1: We did record it, but lying. it just... The cameras just it. weren't on. The cameras literally just weren't <laughs> on. I literally did, but it is what it is. He, it, he won, but the cameras weren't on. All right,
2: and uh, let's start it off here with who was the last... Who was the last second round pick to get MVP? And I kind of want to hear first person to say this. Oh, like Nicola. Know. Brandon got that. Yeah, that was quick. Yeah. That was quick. I'm a historian, is, bro. Nikola Jokic uh, is, was the last second rounder to win MVP uh, and he was back-to-back. Yeah, the and, last uh, one to win it last year and the year
1: before. They drafted him during a Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Bell. Oh. And, fun fact. I'm at 5%. My battery's not charging. Oh, you won't mind. Yeah. Uh,
2: quick break okay bouncing back after a technical error okay uh yeah Nikola Jokic uh, the last person to be a second rounder to win MVP was like all the way back in the 60s mm. or like the 50s or 60s or something like that uh so yeah he's really the I would almost yeah he's the first uh, basketball player in the modern era to uh be a second round MVP which is extremely rare to see players like that he's probably already at least a top three or four second round pick of all time. I mean, he doesn't have a championship
0: yet, but two MVPs Easily, do.
1: yeah. I mean, he could probably be the top second rounder because Manu, Rodman. Mm-hmm. Which we talked about on the last trivia, but it corrupted. And, yeah. but And, like, there's Ben <laughs> Wallace, but I can't think of any other.
0: It's really all about if you value championships or MVPs more. I mean, two, two MVPs is pretty astounding. Not a lot of players even have one MVP, let alone two back-to-back. Yeah.
1: But I feel like just the star power that he has alone, like... Yeah.
2: All right, moving on. (laughs) This guy's been in the headlines a lot. Uh, Who was the seventh overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft? Wait, say that again? 2017, the seventh overall pick. I can give you the team he originally got drafted to. I kind of spoiled it. He's not on that team anymore. 2017. Let me give you a hint that's a little bit vague. He's been on the rise. Vag.
1: He's been on the rise. Oh, on the rise. oh. is it Ananobi? OG Ananobi?
0: No, because Brody just said he's not on the same team that drafted him. Oh, that's right. So I was going to guess Malik Monk, but that
2: might be too old. All right, let me give you guys one more hint, and if you can't get it, then then no one gets it. He was originally drafted to the Bulls.
0: Oh, it's say. Lowry
2: Markkinen, bro. Uh, I was about to say that. It's one one,
0: <laughs> one Let's one. Go. He it's got
2: right. that. Right. at the Bulls. Lowry right. Markkinen on the rise recently with the Jazz, as we just talked about. I'm not scared. Man. Man's been hooping. Man's been hooping. He hooped with the Cavs for a bit too, but a little bit. People know him. People know him most now because he's 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 getting those Jazz the Jazz up up big. All right, and uh, third and final question here. Let's see who walks away with it. Uh, actually, this one doesn't even. This one can't even really be a point based because I was just really interested in hearing your wild guesses. And uh, so we're having another stipulations time? towards. Uh, well, we'll see here if you can guess it. What does the NBA do if the lottery ping pong ball system breaks? Um They have This whole like List of like Backups Like when the president Passes away or something Mm. They They're very formal with it They have a lottery cabinet That's interesting (laughs) Um When the lottery Ping pong ball system breaks What does the NBA do First Do they go back to the folders In the In like the little Bingo ball thing
1: Is it like a coin flip Or something
2: (laughs) Okay okay Uh let me give you the first. Well, let me give you the first one. So they actually have two ping pong ball systems, but for whatever reason, they don't have three. So if the power goes out, or the second ping pong ball system breaks, what do they do? Uh, I'll have both of you guys make a guess, and then if someone's like relatively close, I'll give it to you. I I already used my guess. I I have no idea. What, what were, you, what were you guessing there? It,
0: well, back in the day when they first started doing it, they had like the big folders. Now they kind of just show the folders on TV that are already determined, oh, yeah, but they yeah. had like the th- crank thing with all the folders. That's my guess. Folded corner, uh, what was it bent corner? For the yeah, pits. that <laughs> frozen theory.
1: envelope. Stern was corrupt. I'm just kidding. He wasn't. But anyway, um, I'm just gonna stick with my flip of the coin guess because I like Jake. I don't know what else flip would, of a coin. I don't. <laughs> I don't know well, what else would be.
2: I figured you guys wouldn't get it, but I thought this was so interesting. So if the second machine also happens to break or there's a power outage, the NBA has another uh a basketball with a hole cut in the top. An official would then draw balls by hand. Mm. Luckily, the league has never needed to <laughs> use the decapitated uh, basketball for backup, uh, which would produce blazing hot conspiracy takes if it ever came to pass. Yeah, that definitely would. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just a really weird fact I saw somewhere where they have two lottery uh, like randomizing machines and. I mean that's cool and all, you know, but in my hearing we ended on another tie. In. You guys ended on a tie, but hey, you did not lose. You okay. didn't take that L today. Okay, that's
0: like a World Cup finish.
1: Exactly, oh, you know, like I the take, U.S. And the in the U.K. In my eyes,
0: it's another loss, so it is what it is. But with the cameras on, you're. Uh you're winless so far.
1: No, with the with the cameras off, <laughs> I'm probably the greatest player of all time. Don't don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. But Man. They'll just never know because the cameras are off. So it's like.
0: It's true. Yeah. That wraps it up here, I think, here on League Bounce Yeah, Day. 100%.
2: But, uh, uh,
1: bit of a long one.
0: Yeah. Make sure you guys follow us all on social media. You can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Jacob Schrantz.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore blue 25 and on Instagram at Brandon blue with two E's. Hey,
2: you can follow me uh, at Brody Wilkin on Twitter at Broderick Wilkin on Instagram. <laughs> what? That, A little sleepy there, bud? yawn into the, like, into the intro. Yawn us. We had some struggles getting this podcast together. It took like two hours before we could start. But uh, yeah, uh, it's all right. My socials are in the description. Uh, follow us. Uh, on league bound on Twitter is just at league underscore at underscore league bound underscore (laughs) Uh, our YouTube channel is league bound and our Spotify is also league bound. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify too. No one's really listening to it on there. So you could be a first. We got, we got voting polls on there weekly. You can uh, give, give us your opinion and uh, what you think about our takes and uh, give your own takes.
0: And make sure you guys subscribe as well on YouTube because that really just helps us grow and continue to spread out this content to uh, the people who don't get to see it every day because they don't see it pop up. The people who need it. They need it. They need
2: us. If you <laughs> want it, we got it. <laughs> all your draft, uh, NBA draft information, prospects and all. League Bound Podcast. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good morning. Have a good day. Have a good night. Good Let's go. Recording stops. I was kind of sick. You just stopped
1: it. I stopped it.